0: One, two, three, do it. Oh. Case on a deep drop, steps up in the pocket, he'll fire to the right
1: side, caught by Diggs, Stay oh, my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh. 30, no. K, touchdown! Oh. Are you Play kidding the me? Finish. It's finish! A- All right, right Right, Here we are coming back in for another edition of the Scolders Podcast. I'm your host, Ed Bromarko. With me, as always, my compatriot, my good Vikings friend, Mike Anderson. How we doing tonight, Mike?
0: We're a little nervous, um, but we're doing well. We're doing well.
1: Doing well, and I think the whole Vikings fandom is a little bit nervous, but uh, you know what? You just heard the intro there in the Scolders Podcast, and... Uh, I think uh, that was the last time we played the Saints in the playoffs, and it turned out in our favor. So right. maybe, maybe we can uh, recreate that lightning in the bottle. We'll find out. Um, we will. Quickly, before we get into that, I just want to touch base really quick on Week 17. Um, arguably we should all the way go back to 15 and 16 because we, we missed podcasts there with the holidays. But Week 17, Vikings didn't have much to play for. Second stringers, I thought they did pretty well. I mean, you lose that game by a point or two points, whatever it was, um, against the starters of, of, of Chicago, and the two backup tackles you had in there looked uh, pretty good.
0: Yeah, I mean, um, I think Boyd, uh, you know, Eric Wilson, you had a couple guys that played really well. Uh, same thing, the line, I think overall, Vikings fandom thinks that, uh, you know, a couple guys that came in, got some reps, uh, looked, you know, overall uh, pretty solid, but... Um, in all reality, I think we were all just going through the motions as we watched that game. Uh, I know I myself was watching a few other games, uh, perhaps even closer than the Vikings game, just to see how I was going to shake things out for playoffs. But uh, right. yeah, as you mentioned, nothing really to play for. Um, really just trying to get through, get healthy. Um, you know, we did have a few injuries to some backups, but I don't believe anyone that you know was going to be playing major minutes here. Uh, come Sunday at, at noon, uh, suffered any sort of injury, so we should be really rocking with uh, basically the full squad.
1: Now, leading into this game, uh, do you think this this full bye, essentially, that we gave the starters, is that more of a plus or is that maybe a little bit of a minus because you didn't have them play at all?
0: No, I think it's a plus. Um, I, I I don't know. I just I think with this team, you've got a lot of veterans there uh, that have been here. They've, they've been to playoff games. They need to rest that body. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't see really any, you know, any negatives from having those guys rest. I, I am a little surprised at how many players didn't get in at all. Um, but overall, I think it's going to be more beneficial. This team is very good, but they can only play at that level when they are, you know, basically all there and all playing at a, you know, 90% health level.
1: I think as we've seen throughout the season here with uh, some of the guys that have gotten banged up, it's uh, it's definitely nothing you want to trifle with, especially if you can go in and, uh, meaning this game, just take it off and, and go into the playoffs completely healthy because you're going to need all the juice yeah. you can. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, leading into that, Mike, we got a playoff game next Sunday. Sunday at noon. We walk into, what is it, Superdome? Still a Superdome? Mercedes Benz Superdome? Is that it still?
0: I believe it's the Mercedes-Benz Superdome, yes, sir.
1: We walk into there against uh, the Norman Saints, who are thirteen and three. We're the six seed. Well, just talk about what, what we have at stake here, because six seed—I I don't know what how much is expected from us in that position. I don't know if uh, if we're feeling good that uh, we belong in that position. If we think we should be higher, I, I don't, where are you at with that, Mike?
0: Well, I think there's a few trains of thought, right? One, the NFC was, was stacked this year. Um, Certainly performed to a higher level than I think I, well, I know than I thought it would uh, with San Francisco playing uh, to the tune of 13 wins with the green Bay playing to the tune of 13 wins. Um, You know, the Vikings at 10 wins being the sixth seed. uh, I think you can, again, look at it one of two ways. One, If we were the sixth seed but had, you know, lost a really competitive game to Green Bay two weeks ago, uh, and then, you know, again, last week, you lose that game, that doesn't really matter, doesn't play into it. You're probably coming into this with a little bit more confidence, right, than I think the, in general, the fandom is right now. Uh, Unfortunately, we've lost two in a row. Uh, they looked horrific against Green Bay in a, in a big game that you know the division was still technically kind of on the line. Uh, certainly, as you looked at Week 17 and, and Detroit making it close for well, essentially leading or not trailing the entire game. Um, you know, I, I guess the last two games, if they would have went a little differently, I think you have higher expectations. So right now, um, I think it's difficult for uh, in general for this fan base to really get excited because a. Um, you're facing a team that it probably presents the worst matchup, at least in the eyes of, of our fans. Um, and B, you're on a little bit of a slide right now, and Cousins is coming off a bad performance. You've got Thielen and Dalvin, two of your better players, that just don't look right, have been injured, and then you, you know, you both have you have Kendricks, that uh, the heart and soul of this defense, that also is hurt. So I would say overall. Um, you can only go up from here. I, I don't think there's a lot of people, and I, you know, around here that are expecting much. And, and certainly nationally, I, I bet you will not be able to find a single analyst that will pick Minnesota in this game on Sunday.
1: Right, I was looking at the Lions and the Wildcard Weekend, and the Vikings had the uh, the highest points given. So they had this was eight points. Um, New Orleans yeah, favorite, think... obviously. Everyone else yeah. was, was around two to three. So um, clearly we have an uphill battle to climb. Um, let's talk about how we get there, Mike. How do we get there with the offense?
0: Well, uh, I mean, the offense needs to click. Um, it seems like it's it's almost been a light switch, right, this year, that either the offense is going or it's completely shut off. And And you look at the Green Bay game and you look at the – uh the first Chicago game I think would be the two where just they couldn't turn that light switch on right um the loss to Kansas City the loss to Seattle they were still able able to score some points move the ball a little bit um so I think first and foremost we need to hope that it's not one of those games where Cousins comes out and just can't do anything Stefanski's got a horrible you know scheme and play uh game plan that's that's first and foremost if you can come out and they can start to move the ball a little bit, I think it's vital to take a lead early. And I know this is cliche, but guess what? When you're an eight-point underdog on the road in an opening game uh, of the playoffs, you're going to run into a lot of these cliches because it is true. They're going to have to start fast. They need to take that crowd out of it a little bit Um, Luckily, luckily we play in, you know, one of the loudest stadiums there is, but I would say the Superdome is right up there. Uh, So we'll be a little accustomed to that noise. Um, It's just usually the offense isn't on the field during that time. So if they can get out early, get that ball moving, um, I think that's where I want to start offensively. That's that's going to be the big key number one for me. Um, I don't know. What what do you think about that?
1: Uh, You you know, I I think you're spot on there. And, you know, cliches are cliches for a reason because they they often come true and they're often uh, uh, spot on with with how you need to to be doing things. Um, And I could not agree more because we know how tough it is for opposing teams to come into our stadium and play with that crowd noise. Now, amp that up to a playoff level. Um, Now, I was at the game when we beat Seattle. I swear to God, this, that is the loudest I've ever heard of stadium, and it was that way the entire time that the defense was on the field. So,
0: New, or New Orleans, right?
1: Yeah, versus New Orleans. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. The Miracle Game. You were there, correct? Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So, okay. I, I'm expecting that level for the Vikings offense when they're whenever they're on the field, and I got to tell you, that's it's deafening. It's it's absolutely nuts. It creates a whole different challenge for the offense. And like I said, it, it, as soon as you can start taking some points off the board getting them kind of backpedaling, you can get the crowd noise out of it, you get that up going, that crowd doesn't really know how to react to that because a lot of times it amps up a lot in third, third down, fourth down, and those situational plays. So yes, yes. You, if you just keep the chains moving, you keep ahead of the chains, you can take that crowd factor out of it just a little bit, and you just need a little bit of that edge to start scratching away and clawing your way uh, to a win in that stadium because it's going to be difficult.
0: Well, I, I think you nailed it, right? We've seen it before that the crowd's gonna get into it every third down. If that game's close, the third down, they're gonna get going. The, you know, all your your different, uh, you know, bits are gonna play. They're gonna try to get the crowd going. But maybe we go a little bit of a hurry up offense early on, first second down. You get a first down here or there. You're gonna be able to sneak some plays in where you're actually gonna be able to make some play calls. You're not gonna have to go with silent, you know, silent counts the entire time. And now all of a sudden, if you can put some points on the board, uh, you can almost flip that home field. And and I just, I think that's going to be vital. Um, and, and then really, you know, second level from there is Dalvin's going to have to be really successful. Um, the Saints, you know, haven't necessarily, they don't get run against a lot. Um, But they have been run on this year. So uh, teams have been able to run the ball somewhat successfully. It's just a lot of times in these shootouts, teams are throwing against them. Um, But the Saints have lost, you know, two major components their defense. And uh, um, Davenport and and Rankins are out, Uh, you know, some some big guys on the defensive front. Uh, Delvin should have some lanes. And and I think that Delvin coming off a couple weeks, you know, I I was just talking to my father-in-law here tonight and you know, I told him that basically with Delvin's injury, he's still going to run with the same speed, athleticism, and, you know, uh, he's going to have the juke moves, the, you know, the awareness. It's more when he gets hit um, and maybe how he falls to the ground, but he's still right, going to be right. that same runner we've seen all year. So I think Delvin getting it going, and then I need Adam Thielen. I know you and I apparently disagree a little on this, man, but I, I don't know how— I don't know how you can say that it was the same Thielen the last two weeks. He just doesn't, he didn't look right. Um, we got to hope that Adam Thielen's out there getting open, creating more space for Kyle Rudolph, Irv Smith, Diggs. Uh, if Thielen is still, you know, basically non existent, I just don't see a way this team's going to win this football game.
1: Well, uh, remind me on here, did he play versus uh, the Chargers?
0: Yeah, he played the last two, or sorry.
1: Because I, I don't think Char- he played against no. the Chargers. Chargers.
0: Um, yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. He are you did. sure about that? Yeah. Um, Yeah, he came back for Chargers because it was warm. Um, Yeah, definitely came back for the Chargers. I think he ended up with, uh like, three catches for 20 yards or 30 yards, something like that.
1: Well, I mean, uh, I will say this. I think he's been out so long that uh, it could be a portion of them kind of holding him back, holding back his snaps, and maybe limiting his routes a little bit. I don't know. Because I don't know. The, the only reason why I say that is because that injury is extremely touchy, as, as we've seen. He tried to start in the Kansas City game, made it yeah. like three plays, and he was out. So yeah. don't
0: I don't disagree with that. But I mean, then why is he back? He shouldn't be playing if that's the case.
1: No, here's here's what I'm saying. Like He could be 100% healthy. He could feel 100% healthy but you still want to ease into that just to make sure that you don't accidentally pop it again right uh,
0: I don't know that that that, lo- that logic doesn't add up to me
1: I, I mean maybe it doesn't I mean that's but my that's my only explanation for it okay so you you get them a couple snaps you, you limit the snaps um, against the chargers if you needed more maybe you would you put them in more and, and use them more and then Green Bay nothing was of sorts so I don't know it's a uh, it's hard for me to look at that and be hyper-concerned about Adam Thielen going forward because you know what he is, you know what he's capable of. And if he's not healthy, he's not healthy, but he's still going to play regardless. So him, maybe him just being on the field is enough.
0: I, I, I just don't... Uh, so here's where I'm at. Um, I, I guess, to me, the most important aspect of this game is going to be our defense. So... Uh, you know, I get where you're coming from with Thielen on the field. Maybe you're relying on Delvin and Diggs has one of those games that, you know, we talk about for the next ten years in this state. Um, you know, he he roasts Lattimore or Jenkins, whoever they end up putting on him. But um I just think that when Thielen is playing at a high level, it's not even I think. Obviously we've all seen it. When Thielen is playing at a high level at the with the route running he's capable of he creates so much opportunity for everyone else in this offense, along with making Cousins' life a hell of a lot easier. So,
1: oh, 100% agree. I,
0: I just I think that Thielen and Dalvin are the two major, major, major keys for me to get this offense going. Um, and that's not to say that I, I, I think there's a decent chance Diggs has the biggest game, but for him to have that game, Dalvin and Thielen need to open up the space. Need to draw their attention. Um, So that's the big thing for me. You know, love it's an indoor game, love it's not prime time. Um, I think if we're going to win this football game, we're not going to need to score as many points as probably everyone else thinks. I'm starting, you know, I'm hearing a lot of 38, 44. Um, That's not where I'm at. I think that if we can get to that 27, 28, um, the way I'm envisioning us winning this football game that's the number I'm looking to get to 27, 28, anything higher than that. And then I'm putting the, I'm putting the blame on the defense if they don't pull this one out.
1: All right. Um, I'm sure we'll touch on the defense here in a little bit here, but I will interject and fight back on one thing for you. You say it's not prime time. This is the only game in the time slot. That that essentially means it's, it's, it's prime time, Mike.
0: Yeah. But I mean, Sunday at noon, maybe that's just, I don't know. Maybe it's, uh, Maybe it's a mentality thing for cousins. Sunday at know, noon indoors. Man.
1: I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I feel like we're probably gonna need more than twenty eight to win this game, just because I really don't trust the defense. But over the past several man. weeks, we'll get into the defense is clicking. I mean, they're, defense they're starting is to come clicking. Back. Um. Anyway, uh, what else can we talk about on the offense here before we move on? Because I, I feel like we're covering most of it, but, um. I feel like we're missing someone here.
0: Well, I mean, we're, we're missing... I, I think I know where you're going. You're going Cousins, right? Um,
1: I was going somewhere else, but go Cousins.
0: Well, I mean, yeah. Cousins is... A, it, it's. I, I think that that just goes unsaid, right? You know, this is... You're going to have the fans. Like, this is why you pay him the money. He has no chance to perform. It's playoffs. You know, you're going to... If if you're a Viking fan, I would just encourage you not to watch any sort of national media. Um, I started today. My favorite one was that Ryan Clark on ESPN tonight said he was looking forward to the Green Bay New Orleans matchup uh, the following week. He's he didn't even like didn't even discuss the potential that Minnesota could potentially you know uh, win the game and just jumped straight ahead. And then I know you mentioned the NFL hype video. The Vikings aren't even in it. Um, just which, don't which, pay okay. attention to national media,
1: which which is absolutely insane to me because, okay, we had that spot clinched at the close of last week. Actually, not right. at the close. We had it before we even played last week. Yeah. And they had the Titans in there who didn't you didn't wrap up their spot until week 17. Well, and it, you
0: know, it's one, it'd be one thing if you're, I mean, the Titans, right? You know, your common NFL fan might not be able to name two players from the Titans, right? But, I mean, you've got Diggs, Thielen, Dalvin, Cousins. Minnesota's uh, two year,
1: two years removed from NFC Championship. Rhodes,
0: game. Harrison Smith, Daniel Hunter, yeah. Everson Griffin. These are these are. I mean, even Barr at this point, like, these are names that are known throughout the NFL. How do you not incorporate them into some? <laughs> just, I don't know, but um, we're getting into the weeds, it's but. a different podcast. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, listen we're not going to sit here and berate cousins. Um, he looked horrible in the green Bay game. They gave him the week off. Uh, you mentioned that he tends to bounce back really well after a poor performance. Let's hope that's the case. Um, I have learned that there's really, (laughs) there's really nothing we can do, right? He's either going to come out and he's going to have it right from the get go and he's going to play a hell of a game and he's not going to be the reason we lose. Or you look at that, you know, whatever two out of 15 games is this year. Um, you know, that that 15% of the time, he is the reason we're losing the football game. Right. Uh, if that's the case, it's not going to matter. We're going to lose by, honest to God, we're going to lose by 20-plus points. But the good news is that most of the time, he's not the reason. He's going to keep you in the game.
1: Um, well, I mean, we have examples you know, of that too, right? Well, I mean, you look at last year, Green Bay, that tie, he was the reason why we were in that game. You look at right. um, last year, the Rams game, he was the reason why we were in that game. The defense was, was yeah. crap in the bed. You look at Seattle this year, he was the reason why we put up, 24 points on offense, and he was the only reason why we were competitive in that game when defense gave up 37. So he has these times where if if you need to if you need to absolutely, you know, shoot out race, he can do it.
0: Listen, most of the time he is he's not. Again, he's not the reason we lose football games. I understand that with him being one of the first quarterbacks that got paid, the the cons- the the consensus here is that he needs he's the guy that should go win you the football game. He should make the difference. And I don't necessarily agree with that narrative because you look across the league now, there's what, five, six, seven guys that are making just as much money as he is, and there's only what, one, two guys that you're actually like, they're going in and winning us a football game. could like argue for Breeze, maybe three or four. Drew Brees is the guy, Aaron Rodgers at times, even Aaron Rodgers during the regular season this year hasn't really been that guy, but... You know, you have a couple, Lamar Jackson, you know, who's not even getting paid at this point. But um, you have a few quarterbacks. He's getting paid something. Right. But you have quarterbacks that can go be a difference maker. In my opinion, listen, the quarterback play here has been horrendous for so long that now we finally have someone that is usually contributing towards a win. Is he necessarily the reason that's going to separate you and, and you know go get a win that you shouldn't? No. Um, would I love if that happened, yes. Uh, but he just hasn't been that guy. But we need him to not lose us the game. If he can manage to you know pull the for the very first time out of his you know wherever and go just play lights out and win us this football game, great. I'm looking for him to come in and just not lose us the football game.
1: Right, I, I want to make two points to this. Um, first one, if you count Week 17 for Kirk Cousins as him being healthy enough to play, so he would have started, if you count that, he's the first quarterback since Rand Tarkenton in 1972 to 1973 season to start every single regular season game for two consecutive years for the Vikings. Right, I, I want I want people to internalize that and think about that. That's, that's how bad the quarterback situation has been. That is how how hungry this franchise has been for a, a quarterback that hasn't yes. been injured year right. after year after year. That is insane. 72 to 73, that's 50 years. All right? Crazy. Second thing, yeah. um, we, we talked about this in, in the group chat a little bit. Um, Cousins is not a guy that is comfortable improvising when stuff gets off schedule. You know? 2017, you had Case Keenum that was very adept at doing that. When stuff broke down, he was able to make stuff happen. Cousins will never be that guy. Like you said, he's not going to go out there and win you that game, but as long as he doesn't lose you the game, then you just got to have the rest that steps up and, and, and takes over, right? As long as the defense doesn't completely no show, we should be competitive in the game, and Cousins can do enough to get the team a win.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I I mean, like I said, I think. I think that if, if this game goes how I think it's going to, Cousins is going to be fine. He's going to have an opportunity to make some big throws. Uh, and I really don't think he's going to be the reason we we lose this football game if they lose the game. So, um, you know, when we're talking about our 49ers preview hopefully next week, now I'm gonna be a little bit more concerned that he could be the reason we lose that football game. But let's hope that you and I have to have that podcast next week and discuss that situation.
1: Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Last thing on the offense. Ted n has gotta get involved. We gotta get those guys going.
0: Yeah, that's I mean, that's what you're saying, huh? You
1: gotta you gotta get Rudy involved. You gotta get urban involved, man.
0: I listen, I I it's great if they do, but for me, this is coming back to Thielen. Um, it, Delvin's going to get it going. I know he is. But if Thielen is out there and he's not even someone they're paying attention to because he's just not the same guy right now, you know, I, I don't know, man. They're they're just – I don't think we're going to have the time, and then I don't think you're going to have the people open because they're just going to be able to let – they're going to be able to control Thielen, um, and focus the attention elsewhere, and I, I don't know. I mean, I hope you're right. I hope that they do have huge games because, to me, that means that Diggs and Thielen are balling, but I don't know.
1: Well, we'll see what happens there. We'll cross that bridge when we get there. Um, I think that's going to be it for the offense, Mike. I think we've, we've touched everything we can yeah. on the offense. Yeah. So let's move on to Slipping. one of our favorite topics, Mike, special teams. Yes,
0: my favorite topic.
1: Your, your favorite topic we haven't quite investigated the full terms of the bet in the the original podcast, right? But I don't think I have to get a Bailey's jersey.
0: Bailey's like the the Irish cream.
1: Well, oh, Bailey Yeah. Well, I probably have. I probably need Bailey's if I had ordered a Bailey jersey.
0: Oh, I'm gonna be through a seven five of Bailey's by kickoff on Sunday. Oh yeah. Oh yeah.
1: But uh, anyway, so I mean, Dan Bailey, <clears> one <throat> of all kickers, finished eighth. Um, pretty cool percent total combined kick percentage um including extra points and field goals um i think his only missed like he made everything 30 40 and then i think he had one miss in the the 40 to 50 range and he drilled all of his 50 pluses yeah
0: he's only missed two field goals right um
1: no i think only yeah two field goals yes you're right yep
0: yeah, two field goals, so he's been think, pretty money. I think I think he's fourth in field goal accuracy and basically one kick separating him from third. Uh yeah, so huh. he's been he's been damn good from a field goal standpoint, and I believe one of those kicks um went off the upright, right?
1: I'm not certain on that.
0: Okay um i thought he had one it could have been an extra point i guess but i thought one of the kicks regardless um here's where i'm at with bailey and you know if you've listened to the podcast you know i'm a huge bailey fan i just have i have so much confidence in him right now we were talking in the in our uh uh climb the pocket you know daily norseman group this week and i said it's finally nice to know that you know when you have a kicker come out i just have confidence that that thing's going in you look at this the chicago game and i know it didn't mean anything for the standings, but Dan Bailey had a lot on the line. Um, He had a major incentives on the line for him. Uh, If he would have missed kicks, I think Schefter was saying every missed kick would have been about 250K that he would have potentially lost. And he comes out there and goes four for four. Granted, they're all inside of 30, but he might as well have been kicking to a one-yard wide uprights because everything was dead center last week. And um, I guess for me, it's just it's massive to have confidence in a kicker and you know what? If we're down two with three seconds left, and Bailey's got a 51-yarder setting up, I'll see you in I'll see you in San Francisco next week, baby, because that thing's going through.
1: That's all they get you, Mike. That's all they get you. <laughs> That's all they get you right there. <laughs> but you know what? I I I somewhat tend to agree with you. I mean, for right now I think the kicking the kicking equation is is relatively solved. Um, we mentioned Colquitt here next, but. Bringing in Colquitt as the punter slash holder um, has has been, I think, nothing short of a phenomenal move because what it's brought is consistency uh, to that kicking, um, and I think you saw the improvement almost immediately with with what the kicks were doing. Yeah, everything was more consistent. His I think his percentage, if you were to map it out, um, the second you added Colquitt, just it started to skyrocket. And uh, you know what? Yeah, four missed extra points. You hate to see that, but. Whatever, though, that's not where you're gonna win or lose the game. It's it's gonna be off of the field goal kicks, like you mentioned, and he's been yep. money from those.
0: Yep, and I'm thinking, you know, we're gonna get the statue of him up after the Super Bowl win this year. But uh, one thing, as you know, Ed, I got a little, I got a little inside source at the Vikings. Um, you know, if you've listened to podcasts, you probably know what it is. But uh, got a, a little fun factoid this week that. Um, Bailey does indeed, it sounds like, want to be back here next year, um, which is really cool because he's been extremely successful, I think. Um, if Zim is still here, which we'll touch on, I'm sure, later in the podcast, that uh, the consistency that Bailey's brought through this year um, would indicate the Vikings would certainly welcome him back. Um, so, yeah, I just I can't speak enough about Bailey. It's great to see him get back to the ways that he was in Dallas after a little bit of a rocky year last year. And, uh, hey, let's hope that he's kicking a few weeks from now.
1: It only took Zim six years to find a kicker.
0: Yeah, man.
1: Uh, but part of that, like you said, part of that equation is uh, Colquitt, who has played a big role in the kicking game, the field goal kicking game, uh, but even even more so in the punting game. I don't think he has yeah. a touchback all season, which is phenomenal. That's, that's exactly what you want out of a punter, giving that proper hang time to where your, your gunners can get down there and either down it or put in a position where they have to return it, and you're able to, to get them down within the 20, 30-yard range. That's perfect to flip the field. Yeah. And like you say here, this, this is going to be massive for this game. Um, being able to flip that field and give them a very long field on offense to run is going to be key to letting this defense dig in and and do what, what we need to do. But um, Any other notes on Colquitt? Because both Colquitt and Bailey are free agents next year.
0: No, I, well, I think he needs to be back as well, and, and I think you nailed it, right? And this is, I'm assuming, going to transition into potentially coaching, or, or maybe we're doing defense and coaching, but um, in these playoff games, every single play matters. And again, we're back to these cliches, but I think some of the reason that that Peyton uh, and some of these coaches have been successful in the playoffs, um, you know, officials outstanding, of course, yeah, is that they focus in on every single play, and I feel like, there's times where Zim uh, or the Vikings in general will slip up. Um, but the importance of being able to pin an opponent inside the 10, inside the five, um, these special teams, like, you know, Vikings go, you know, it's third and four and we got a punt. That punt is crucial. Absolutely crucial in a game like this, especially on the road at New Orleans at that dome. Um, so, you know, Bailey and Colquitt could play a huge, huge role on Sunday, uh, so, you know, just appreciate it while we've got them, and let's hope that they continue to play at a high level.
1: Yeah, so like I said, we're, we're going to need it all the way throughout the playoffs for however long our run is. We're going to need both those guys firing all cylinders. Um, but leading into that, leading into the defense here, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back to talk about defense, coaching, and what we think uh, we need to stop on New Orleans' side of the ball. All right, and we are back talking Vikings – Saints matchup coming up on Sunday at noon and we're talking about some defense Mike so what, what's our defense going to do we're going to show up like uh like we did against the the Chargers here we're going to show up like we did against Seattle w- what's it going to be well
0: I mean I think they've been playing at a high level right this is probably the best stretch the defense has been on this year um so You know, if you are going to try to find a bright spot going into this game, you are playing arguably the best offense in the NFL. Our defense is really playing at a high level. They're going to basically come in at full health, assuming you kind of believe what we're hearing on Kendricks and that he's going to be a full go. You are going to have all hands on deck, and you know you see the you see the very first note here. It's very simple to me. They're going to have to play their best game of the year. Period. There's, I just don't, there's no other way to put it. That's how I feel. The defense has to play their best game of the year. It's that simple.
1: Okay. That's it. I I don't know what else you can add to that. I mean, it's, and I think if this was middle of the season, I'd be a lot more concerned, but we put together pretty much every game in the last several weeks here has been a, a very solid defensive effort coming off of that uh, Seattle mess that we had. I mean, you look at the Chargers. We stifled the Chargers. um, We stifled Detroit to seven points. Um, Green Bay, I mean, they had 23 points. But, I mean, you looked at that game in a vacuum on the defense. That looked uh, like a very solid defensive performance. Um, The offense just couldn't put it together.
0: I mean, the defense was on the field for 80% of that game. Yeah, so, so, I mean, I
1: don't know what more you can ask. They held them, like, the majority of that game. And then you go out. Green, you
0: mean Green Bay uh, held our our defensive players the majority of that game and went uncalled.
1: Well, yeah. Well, I mean that's a given when we're ever talking about Packers. But, um, but then you look at, even look at week seventeen when it didn't matter. You hold them to twenty one points with backups.
0: Yeah, no, they're. I mean, they were, they're playing at a, they're playing at a really high level. Not, um, not only that,
1: but you look at the turnovers that we're producing. <sighs> Chargers, we produced seven. I think Detroit we had a couple in there. Uh, Green three Bay. In the first, three, three in, in the Bay. first half of Green Bay. So, yep. I mean, if you can continue that, if you can steal away some possessions for your offense, um, I don't need to tell you this. That's only going to help uh, in a game like this in hostile territory. You take the wind right out of the sails out of that building. If you, if you get yeah. a pick, you get a fumble. You start forcing some of that stuff. And it's, it's game on at that point.
0: Yeah. So, I guess here, let's deep dive a little bit. Like I said, I think defense is the, the focal point of this game. Um, so I've got a, you know kind of a few areas that I've broken out for the Saints, right? Their offense is incredibly efficient. Uh, Drew Brees drops back, gets rid of the ball as fast as anyone in the NFL. And guess what? He's got the best receiver in the NFL that runs short routes, gets open every time, and he throws it to him nine or ten times a game in Michael Thomas. How do you stop that? Right. Well, for me, you can say you're trying to. You got to try to get pressure. You got to try to get pressure. You got to try to collapse that pocket. Breeze is 78 years old. He's not going to run anywhere. Not exactly as nimble as uh, maybe he was, you know, 50 years ago. But he gets rid of the ball too fast. Right. That's how they combat it. It's a it's a true West Coast offense Mm -hmm. where boom, ball's gone. So to me, what do I always say? You got to get those hands up. They need to get hands up. We got to use. You know, use that large presence on the line, use the athleticism in Daniil, use the athleticism in Everson, uh, the bar, Kendricks, the guys that might be coming in. You got to get the hands up, try to tip that ball. Um, The tip passes we've seen it fairly often this year where that ball get tipped and the rest of our defense, that secondary, you got two of the best safeties in the NFL coming in can make that interception. Um, but on top of that, let's make Breeze uncomfortable, right? Uh, Breeze is is no different than the Rogers and and uh, um, Rivers, some of these these guys that are the old school drop back and pass. If you can get to them and frustrate them and hit them and, and hurt them, you know. And, and again, we're not trying to take anyone out. It's kind of ironic talking about the Saints and Donaghey, <laughs> whatever. But you know, if you can just get and get some good, clean, hard hits on an older player like Breeze. Um, he could get jumpy you know he could get jumpy and try to make some throws early and that's where you can jump routes so um, for me that's the number one thing is that you got to try to collapse that pocket uh, potentially look at some unique blitz packages as well to get some pressure in in the times where you know that breeze is going to maybe have to take that extra half second uh, but get those hands up man tip that ball um, kind of that's 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 part one here of this uh, three or four part series on the defense what do what are you what do you think in there
1: I mean, I just wanted to throw this in here on, on your notes on the safeties. We actually have three of the top four ranked safeties. Okay, well, <laughs> there you go. We have Anthony Harris, Harrison Smith, and Jaron Curse. Three of the top four. So, um, I, I think you're spot on with that because <clears throat> whenever you try to pressure a quarterback that that gets it out quick, it just it never seems to work. It always seems to shred you. So you got to rush four. You got to make sure you're dropping back with that nickel. You got to be. I think you got to be heavy in that nickel package. Because we're gonna need every bit of coverage we can get on there. You got to get those guys. You get also don't play a b- bunch of off coverage on these guys. You got to play them tight. You got to play them. Make them work for every single catch they're gonna get. Michael Thomas is still gonna get you ten catches, but if he's getting you ten catches for a total of fifty yards, that's a win. Right. So right. so make sure he doesn't get open down the field for these long catches. Um, right. And I think if you do that, if you get just enough pressure. To make Breeze think about it and make a couple mistakes, you get an Anthony Harris that can jump some of those routes and and maybe steal an interception. I don't know. It's 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 gonna be tough. He he takes care of the ball so well, but you know what? So does Aaron Rodgers, and we jumped a a couple of his passes that you know I think we we could have had two or three interceptions against Green Bay. So it's there for the taking for the Vikings' defense.
0: And I think for me, you know, Rivers is much closer to Breeze as Rodgers is, right? Rodgers is still able to roll out a little bit. He's still got some of that mobility, Um, whereas Rivers and Breeze are more – they're staying in that pocket. Um, They're not going anywhere. So Hunter and and that interior line know where they need to get. Um, And Breeze is a shorter guy, right? So if you can really get those hands up um, and, you know, you've got a chance to disrupt them – um, but as you talked about Thomas right that's that's what we're hearing. oh Michael Thomas, Michael Thomas, Michael Thomas, great, you nailed it. Michael Thomas can catch eight or nine ten catches this game. I don't care if he catches 12 catches as long you can give a player of that magnitude um, you, you can kind of give him a little bit of a cushion right and and let him have his to a point. Uh, Thomas isn't gonna go for you know in my opinion, Zim's never gonna let him go for 200 yards and four touchdowns on Sunday, right? Thomas might have nine for 65, you know, and maybe even a score. That's not going to be a reason we lose that football game, in my right. opinion. So um, I guess when it comes to Thomas, you know, I'm pro- we're probably going to lose people on this podcast right now for what I'm about to say, but, uh, you know, we've got Xavier Rhodes, right? We've got the guy that just okay. has not – We hang on. We've got the guy that just has not played well really at all this year, right? He's struggled – We've all seen it. He's announced it. Zim's announced it. Um, But Michael Thomas is the type of receiver that Xavier Rhodes from a couple years ago absolutely locked down, frustrated, shut down. Not only one of the best receivers in the league uh, in a Julio Jones type of build, but just a physical bigger receiver with length, um, not necessarily the elite speed. This is the kind of receiver that Rhodes, we looked forward to the matchup. So um, it's a big game. It's a playoff game. Everyone's going to be watching. As you mentioned, it's the only game on. Maybe this is where Rhodes finds it for a little bit of time. He, you know, just everything clicks. Um, he gets it rolling. That's best-case scenario. Um, otherwise, as I mentioned, you know, I think you got to get creative. I don't know if you give Mac Alexander, a guy that, you know, is just a physical specimen, just ridiculous, right? And, and you put him on, and you give him a chance to really make a name for himself. Um, I don't really know what you do, but uh, it's weird. I'm not worried about Thomas in this game. It's It's really fourth fifth down on, on my concerns from the offense on the saints
1: well yeah i think the reason why you're not really worried about him is because like I said we're gonna scheme him out of the game we understand he is his, he is the saint's most versatile weapon he's gonna get the ball so you're gonna do everything you can to limit what he can do to make them beat you in other ways the problem is they have about four other ways that can beat you so you need to be careful not to dump so many resources into that because um, you're gonna get burned um just touching on Mac Alexander, though. He's our highest rated cornerback on the team. So I completely love that idea. You know, if, if Thomas is lined up in the slot, you let Mac just get in there and get in, jam him, and, and make some physical contact and make him work for it. Um, and, you know, you do that long enough in a game, the wide receiver's going to get frustrated, right? He's going right. to get a little bit angry. He's going to get a little bit chippy. And that's exactly where you want his headspace to be at um, w- when the game is on the line. So. I don't know. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be very interesting what we do coverage wise because we've seen many different things this season. What we've done coverage wise, we've seen them rotating corners. We've seen them do um, yeah. a whole bunch of different types of coverages. So I'm curious to see how we end up attacking um, the Saints as a whole because they have a whole lot of receiving weapons um, that can burn you quick. And you know, some of it might be Kendricks is is in coverage on that. Like like your next point here. Um, Kendricks has been the number one rated linebacker this season. Um, especially in coverage. I think he has, Didn't he set a, a, a season record for pass breakups as a linebacker. Uh, it could be, I, I, I'm not sure on that. So he, he's just been phenomenal in coverage. So you know what, he, if he's on Kamara and Cook, Cook, I, I trust him to get that done.
0: Yeah. Um, it's vital, right? That he's in, that he's healthy. Uh, I think that Jared Cook is arguably the number one concern of mine. Uh, I've actually watched a fair amount of Saints games here over the last few weeks and um, Cook and Breeze are really clicking. Um, you know, Cook's had a couple of, of monster games. He's athletic as hell. Uh, he's he's tall and he's fast for a tight end. He's able to get open, um, you know, pretty easily over your typical linebacker coverage. So, Uh, it's something that they they go after they look for they exploit the matchup so I think Kendricks is going to be massive for that Um, you know and then you look at Kamara a guy that had scored two touchdowns uh, both of which had come in week three and hadn't scored all the way until I think week 16 and then ends up throwing two scores up and then two scores last week you know so he's got four touchdowns Uh, basically tripled the touchdown total in the last two weeks. So um, an elite player that, you know, if you remember back to the Minneapolis miracle game was a player that at that point, the NFL couldn't even figure out how to cover, how to stop. He was this, you know, unstoppable force, um, slowed down a little by injury this year, but seems to be finding some confidence at this point in time. So, um, I think between Kamara and Cook, that's really where I'm worried that we could get exploited and, and they could have some nice games. Um, so yeah, the Kendricks play bar. Um, I think you nailed it. We're gonna have to get creative. And and Breeze is is a wily old veteran, so he's gonna look to go after the Mike Hughes and uh, you know Mac Alexander, you know, Holden Hill at times. Some of these guys that you know maybe have a little less experience, they're gonna have an opportunity to step up and make a big play. But guess what? They're also going to have an opportunity to give up a big play, so right. uh, that's that's where I'm saying the defense has to come and play its best game of the year. They got to have each other's back. They cannot have miscommunication. Um, they need to come out and just play a lights out game. Uh, and to me, this game rests on the shoulders of this defense.
1: And, uh, you mentioned uh, some of the younger guys that might have to step up, and, and for me, that's that's honestly a, a positive in my eyes because they're young and stupid enough to not have made all the mistakes before, you know? Right. So if, if they make that mistake, it's it, sometimes that mistake is actually in their favor, right? They're, they're jumping the ball where a veteran might not do that, but they can do that. They can make splash plays where, where the veteran might, might understand the percentages a little bit better and not make that call. So I, I think the upside and the high variance of those younger guys it can be in your favor in a game like this where, where you need a couple of those to hit. <clears throat> and you know, Like yep. I said, maybe that's a Hughes, maybe that's a Hill, you know, popping off a, a, a route and just grabbing a pick six or something like that, you know. We'd love to see it, but I, I think I agree with you 100%. I think the offense will show up to a reasonable level. Um, I, I don't have anything that's really, based on the history of what this season has been, I don't think we're going to completely fall flat on our face in that respect. But it's it's really where the defense lands that's going to end up deciding this game. Yep,
0: that's I mean that's where I'm at, man. And and a big part of that obviously is going to be the segue here into the coaching and the in the strategy that goes in. Um, but I, I'm just I'm not worried about the offense outside of of Thielen. I think if we get up there and Thielen gets going and is clicking it back to his old self, I think the offense is going to do enough. Um, I'm worried about the defense and, and uh, it's funny because I remember our preseason show talking about how we thought the defense might take a step back and the offense was going to be really good this year. And, and for the most part, that's been pretty close to accurate, right? right. It's, both have been great. Um, defense took a little step back, but they've been playing really well as of late. So, and the offense has actually took a little step back as of late. So it's, uh, but anyways, going into this, um, I just think it's an opportunity for Zimmer to really shine uh two guys that know each other extremely well and Peyton and Zimmer and and man though the defense has to show up
1: absolutely so you mentioned coaching let's roll right into it yeah what do we got to see Mike
0: uh well let's let's start out with with um I guess let's start out with Zim and, and Peyton right um two guys that coach together in Dallas they know each other really well um, Peyton, I believe, has been in New Orleans since two thousand and six. Zimmer's been here since what twenty fourteen? Well, fourteen. Okay. Um, yep. You know, so uh, some tenured coaches. Um, I guess starting with Peyton, you got to be ready for anything, right? Um, you know he he's not afraid to take a chance. He's not afraid to take that fake punt, that fake field goal um, to go for it on fourth down on on their side of the fifty, even in a playoff game. He he's a guy that will take chances. Uh, so you always got to be ready for it. And, and that obviously goes down to Zim, but it goes to the special teams. It goes to our defense, offense, everywhere. Um, you always have to be ready. And that's where the focus on every single play. The coaches, we, we always talk about players not taking a playoff. The coaches cannot take a playoff in this, this game. Um, you know, the the Saints are coming off. You can argue the Saints should have been to the Super Bowl uh, each of the last two years, right? They, they lose in the Minneapolis Miracle on the last play to us. Um, They probably would have beat Philadelphia, Uh, you know, whatever hindsight, who knows, but I hate Eagles fans. um, So, you know, (laughs) suck at Eagles fans. Um, And then you look at last year where, you know, they have a player get tackled and a rule change goes into place because of a no call, Um, you know, ironically, then the single rule that was put into place should have been enforced in the Seattle 49ers game last night, which would have resulted in Minnesota going to Seattle, but uh, that's a different podcast anyways. And there's there's uh, been like
1: two instances of that actually being enforced, and one of them was against the Vikings in week two against the Bay. You know, we we digress.
0: Regardless, um, they've been a very good football team, and Breeze is coming to the end. Um, You know, they still have a lot of solid players elsewhere, but – You know, you never know with Peyton, right? You never know if where he's at, and I just you gotta be ready for anything. And then you look at Zim, and it's a guy that we've talked about before. He just it seems like we get out coached in these big games, right? We we probably should have lost the Minneapolis Miracle game after coming out early to a big lead. Mm -hmm. Uh, You look at you get you get absolutely rolled by the Eagles, thirty eight seven. You look at the big games you mentioned. He hasn't beaten a team that's one twelve or whatever. Projected for twelve wins or one twelve wins. Right, so so um,
1: I want to clarify that. So he hasn't beaten a team that has ended the season at twelve and four or better.
0: Right. Okay. So you know you have that, um, and it just it, I think that this is we're starting to hear rumblings, right, of some you know some legitimate sources that hey Minnesota might rethink things if they lose this game especially if they get blown out in this game so um, I don't think Zim needed the motivation I think that uh, you know he just needs to focus in he needs to bring everything to this game unique blitz packages plays we haven't seen schemes we haven't seen Um, he's got to leave it all on the field this game um, and and I really want him to embrace it and tackle it uh, more so than we've ever seen. And man, I'm I'm sure hoping this defense is fun to watch and fly around on uh, on Sunday afternoon.
1: Last game of the year, can't hold anything back now, right? Um, yeah, I, I think you nailed it exactly there. And <clears throat> I, I want to be clear; I don't think you're saying this. I'm definitely not saying this. We don't hate Zimmer. What he's done to this franchise over the past six years ha- has been miraculous. He brought it from basically a-, a dumpster fire after the the one year that Favre was here, um, and you built this culture, you built this roster, you built this team into a-, a perennial contender. The problem is, if all you're gonna do is not show up in these big games, um, and, and like you said, get completely outcoached in seemingly every big game that you play, I mean, what's future is that there. You're not going to win right. the Super Bowl doing that because you need to you need to outcoach 3 3 to 4 teams right. to get a Super Bowl win. And if you can't do that, you got to try something else. It it's a definition of madness to keep trying.
0: Yeah, and I mean, listen, you know, I don't think we're to a Marvin Lewis situation yet, right? I think he was there something like 12, 13, 14, 15 years, but um and Zim's gone through the gauntlet, right? You've talked about it consistently, the 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 Blair Walsh miss, the the quarterback rotations, Teddy losing his leg practically. Like shit has happened with him. Um I think Zim is a good coach. Uh one piece would maybe be the analytics side of things that potentially concerns me. He's been one of those old school guys that mentions, you know, he's he's not really here for the analytics. But then again, Bill Belichick is that way and they've got more Super Bowl rings than they can count, you know. So um I just, I really want Zim to embrace it. I want to see him come out and play a complete game. I don't want to feel like we're out coached, um, you know. And I guess let, let me wrap up one more coaching piece. Then let me ask you a question about Zim. But let's let's move to Stefanski, right? I think he also needs to have the best game of his his short coaching tenure as offensive coordinator obviously he's been around for i think 15 years with the vikings organization but um he needs to come in with the right scheme the right play calling the play calling was horrific at times this year at certain games um he's been he's been spot on most of the time but we've had a couple of those duds where um just like cousins you know it could be the reason we lose the game so i'm excited to see what stefanski can do i think um He's going to be motivated because guess what? Seems like half the damn NFL has had coaching openings, um, and you know he's going to be top of the list, especially if he comes out and plays a, a or coaches calls a great game and we win. Uh, he's going to be top of the list for a lot of these places. So he's got the motivation, um, but he needs to have the right scheme. He's got to put Cousins and these guys in a place to succeed. Um, and if he can do that, and Zim can call his best game, man, I I think that, you know, Minnesota might shock. Uh, I'm not going to say the world, but they certainly will shock a hell of a lot of the U.S.
1: I mean, Stefanski-wise, you look at it and you see that he's capable. You put up 28 against the Cowboys. You put up um, 27 and a half against the Denver Broncos. You put up 30 against Seattle. um, 39 against the Chargers. You know, pick six in there, but whatever. Um, 34 against the Raiders. I mean, 38 against Philadelphia, 42 against Detroit. He's capable of doing it. He's capable of turning it on whenever he wants to. Right? But like you said, it's, Is it going to come together on this day? And that's the thing. I think you look back, I think several months ago, we had the question after one of our losses of which team is going to show up. We don't know which team is going to show up anymore. Right. You get all these inconsistencies of is the defense going to not show up this week and we're going to need to, you know, boat race these guys to a 42, 35 finish. Is the offense not going to show up and we're going to need to hold them to under 13 to have a chance to win the game. It's, the, the ammo of the Vikings has seemingly been for the last several years consistently inconsistent. And the question is, yeah. can we flip that? Can we flip that? Because in all honesty, when the defense is on and when the offense is on and when we don't make special teams mistakes, this team is capable of beating, not only beating, but beating handily any team in this league.
0: I truly right. believe that. And, no, and, and no one's going to disagree with you. I don't even think nationally, like, you're going to get a disagreement, right? And, and uh You look at San Francisco, you look at New Orleans. New Orleans had a dud. They lost at home like 29-9 to or something like that to Atlanta, Um, a team that did come on late. But New Orleans almost lost to Tampa Bay. They almost lost to Seattle. All of these teams are mortal, um, I guess is what I'm saying. They've all had dud games, so to speak, right? Um, You're right, though. If, If we come in our complete, in all three phases, we can absolutely win this football game. We can absolutely beat the 49ers. We sure as hell can beat Green Bay after that. Um, but we got to start. We got to start it on Sunday, and we got to start with the very first drive, the very first defensive stop, and build from there. Agree. But before we move into the preview, I, let me just—and I—I know this. This could be a full podcast, and we probably will. But let me just, while we're on the coaching, let me throw it at you: If we lose this football game. A, do you believe a change should be made at head coach and B, do you believe a change will be made at head coach? Again, just, you know, kind of off the cuff
1: um yes to both. Wow, okay. Okay. 100% yes that a change should be made if we lose this game because it, this is just another another notch in the string of failures of mike zimmer and you can say okay um why left that wasn't really his fault but why are you why are you down by one point in that game right why do you allow them to get that touchdown right there, there's several other mistakes that led up to that point
0: does does it matter to you how they would lose this game aka let's say you lose in overtime Let's say Dan Bailey misses a 35-yarder a that would win it in overtime. The Saints go down and nail a 55-yarder. Does that have any impact on you? Or if they lose the game, period, you're yes and yes to those questions?
1: I think if you lose the game, period, I think if they get completely blown out of the, the, the stadium, then, yeah, it makes the decision a hell of a lot easier. But even still, if you lose by three, it doesn't matter because you still weren't able to get it done on some phase of the ball. And at the bottom bottom line is that comes down to Zimmer. That comes down to Zimmer, what he's put in place on the coaching um, side, of, side of it, what he's done to the defensive side of it, and how he's prepared the team to play. Okay. Like me and you said, this team is capable of so much. And if you can't coach, coach that team to perform at that level that we know they're capable of getting to, then you failed. And we have yet to see that. We have yet to see that on a big stage that we can coach up to what this team is capable of.
0: Well, and and I mean, sadly, yeah, the best example this year is, is you look at Green Bay, right? A team that's had talent. Uh, granted, they did make a lot of off-season moves this year. But you bring in a new coach, and they win 13 football games. And I realize we can sit here and say they had no business winning some of the games they did. But guess what? At the end of the year, they won 13 games and they get to host the playoff game uh, in the divisional round. So, um, you know, I, I think there's a flip. There's there's a side to each of this. Um, it's a podcast we will inevitably have unless we win a Super Bowl. Um, but yeah, just uh, good to get a little quick, quick thought from you before we move into kind of a New Orleans preview here.
1: Yeah, there's a lot at stake in this game. <laughs> it's not just, you know. The Vikings as a team, their playoff run—it's—it's—it's it's, it's people's jobs at stake here, I believe.
0: Yep.
1: All right, so what do you got for preview, Mike?
0: Well, let's let's give you a little bit of a background on New Orleans. Right, they've uh, they've won six of the last seven, and they're averaging over thirty-six points a game in those games. Um, the one loss in those seven was forty-six, forty-eight, uh, which I'm sure many of you watched. It was the game of the year against San Francisco at home. Uh, ended up. You know, losing on a Robbie Gold, I think what forty some yard field goal. Uh, you know, they're they're playing at a high level. Um, they're playing some of their best football of the year. Uh, breeze is clicking. Um, you know, they've they've run for over a hundred yards in six of those seven games, and in the one they didn't, they had ninety five. So they're running the ball well. Um, you know, it's just th- this is a team that's clicking offensively. Um, You know, I guess going to that offense, they've got some major pieces, right? You've got Kamara, who I mentioned was having a down year, was banged up, um, you know, but four touchdowns in the last two weeks. And he's got a lot of confidence going in. Uh, I think he's going to be a player that we cannot overestimate. I think he's a guy that, um, you know, could really pose some problems in the receiving game and and also in the running game. So you got to keep an eye on him. Uh, and then, of course, you have the passing game, Drew Brees. We all know what he is. He's playing at an MVP elite level, uh, four interceptions only this year. He's only been sacked 12 times. Uh, now, of interest, eight of those 12 sacks came in two of their losses. So Atlanta got him six times, and the Rams got him twice. Uh, so, again, if we can get some pressure, um, it appears there's a direct correlation to you know, getting Brees on the ground and winning football games. Interesting. Um, uh, other than that though, you know, elite completion percentage, uh, I believe he holds the NFL record. He set it last year and he just finished second to himself this year from last year, uh, at 74.3, he gets rid of the ball quickly and accurately. So, um, you know, breeze is playing insanely well and he's throwing to Michael Thomas, 149 catches, um, You know, he is just, he he plays to that quick pass. He gets open. um, He's got the length and he catches everything. Um, Something of interest, though, to you, he actually has one of the shallowest catch depths in the NFL. I believe uh, last I looked here, uh, which was close to the end of this week, he was the third shallowest catch depth of um, eligible receivers. AKA, you know, he isn't very far from the line of scrimmage where he's catching those passes. Um, which makes sense, right? Again, it's a it's a true West Coast offense where he's dropping back, getting rid of that ball. So um, that's really where they're at. Man, this team is playing at a high level. It's it's uh, it's the reason that everyone is going to pick them. But what have you noticed about what I've said so far here on on those all those points? Yeah,
1: I don't know.
0: What side of the ball are all those points on? Oh, well,
1: on the offense, Mike.
0: Yeah. So defensively, uh, this team can be scored on, can be run on, can be passed on. Um, They've got, as we mentioned, some some guys that that are out, some major, major playmakers for them um, that are on the I.R., so, you know, you've got, you've got Marcus Davenport, Sheldon Rankins, a um, defensive end, defensive tackle, two guys that um, are really all pro caliber that are not going to be in this game. You've got Lattimore, who, yes, he's still a very good player, but having a bit of a down year. They just signed Janoris Jenkins. They've got some new faces moving in and out. Um, this is a team that you can move the ball against. So um, now you're maybe starting to see the trend of where I'm going with this whole thing. The Vikings' defense, to me, is much more important in shutting down what's clicking right now for this team as opposed to our offense, which I think is going to have no problem moving the ball. When when we've played teams that don't have very good defenses this year, we move the ball at will. You look at Chicago. Um, you, you look at Green Bay, a team that's that's had um, kind of a defensive, defensive resurgence. We've had a little bit of trouble at times. But everyone else, even Seattle, we're, we're moving the ball. You know, they're... they're that's again why I'm telling you, the defense is going to be the reason we win or lose this football game.
1: Maybe it's not. Maybe it's not so much that we need to shut them down, but just slow them down enough to so our offense can uh, can can do enough to take a win. I
0: don't want to shut down. All right. I want a statement, baby. One
1: one point on Breeze here, though. I mean, I'm just saying, Breeze this year, he's eight and three. Teddy Bridgewater's five and zero. Oh. I'm just saying.
0: Yeah, you got it. You got it there. I'm just
1: saying. Maybe they should start Teddy instead. Just saying. Right. Let me ask you this: <sighs> Which quarterback yeah. would you rather see?
0: Which quarterback would I rather see? And which
1: quarterback's easier?
0: Like in this game, yeah. you're saying? Yeah. 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 Um, I think I'd rather. I think I would rather face Teddy. Now, the reason I'm wow. saying that is that you hate Teddy. On. Okay. Hang on hang on the reason i'm I'm saying that is more breeze has so much experience he's won a yeah. super bowl teddy bright lights um you
1: we, know we don't know what that is yet
0: yeah and, and i just i'd love to see teddy in that pressure situation against a defense of this magnitude uh, i think anyone in their right mind even though as you all know i'm a huge teddy fan um yeah you, you'd much rather see him uh but you know unfortunately we're gonna get breeze and and uh you know he's going to be motivated, man. He might think this is the last run with this this sort of a caliber of team, and it's going to be tough to go in there and get this win.
1: All right, Mike. Any other notes before we get to our prediction?
0: I did have one fan question, which you're not going to love, but what's that? Um, it it is an avid listener. Uh, he does listen every week, and and I I made sure I brought this question up at the very end, so he had to listen through the entire show before we answered it. But, um, question is. Since the Packers have, without a doubt, dominated the NFC North for the past decade, can all the people who own the Packers organization now say that they own the entire NFC North?
1: Okay, let me guess. This is, uh, this is <laughs> one James Donald?
0: It's not. It's actually his uh, good friend. Okay. Uh, it's, yeah, yeah.
1: First off, <laughs> no, you do not own anything in the Packers. Sorry. You just don't. If they wanted to sell... I guarantee you, you're not getting a say in that, and you're not going to get a cut of it. You are a fundraising tool. That is it. And emphasis on the last word there, tool. (laughs) You own a piece of paper, and that's it. You do not own any of the Packers. They don't ask your opinion. You don't get a say. So, no, you do not own the NFC North. And if you want to go historically over the last five years, no, you have not owned the NFC North.
0: Okay. Get out of here. All right. All right. Well, that was uh that was the fan question of the day. Again, we would encourage uh, fans of all, uh, you know, teams, preferably not a team that just asked the question to to send them in. Um, but uh, yeah, predictions. Um, am I starting? You starting? What? Where are we going? What do you want? I'm gonna have you start.
1: Let me start. Maybe we should do it this way. I'll start with my Viking score. You do your Viking score, then I'll do my New Orleans score, then you do your New Orleans score.
0: Ooh, this is this is complex.
1: I know, but we can get there. We're smart.
0: All right, all right, all right, all right. All
1: right. I think the Vikings are going to score twenty-seven points.
0: Okay, that's it. Well, no context. You're just that's that's where you're at.
1: Twenty-seven points. That's, I. I got no context for that. I don't know how we get there, but twenty-seven points.
0: I actually am also at twenty-seven.
1: Wow. Okay. And I think the Saints are going to score thirty-one points.
0: Okay. Do you want to? Do you want to elaborate at all?
1: I will elaborate and say <clears throat> that the Vikings will be down. Thirty-one to twenty-seven, with under two minutes to go, and we will not complete the comeback.
0: But Cousins is going to get a chance.
1: But Cousins will get a chance to end the narrative, and he won't do it.
0: Oh man! All right, that's uh, that's where you're at. That's where I'm at. So, listen, I th- I think we're you are at right. You g- you got two ways to look at this game. One. You look at the eight-point spread, you look at how well the Saints are playing, you look at their history, you look at our history, you look at the lack of Cousins winning big games, Zimmer winning big games. You can easily say this is, you know, 31 to 20. You could say it's 38 to 17, right? Or you can look at it as when we've played a complete game, you know, we've looked almost unstoppable. You look at the talent that's all over this roster, you look at how they're healthy. The Saints are missing a few players. You look at the fact that we've played in loud domes and we're, we're playing indoors. Um, and you can give Minnesota a chance, right? You can kind of go against the narrative. And I think for me, this game is going to be a little bit lower scoring than people think. Um, I do think, as I mentioned, the Vikings defense is the biggest component to this game. And... You know, it's playoff week, right? If you're listening to this podcast, you're jacked. We know you're ready for Sunday. Like enjoy it. This 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 state never gets playoff games. Like drink it in. Embrace the negativity, right? Embrace that underdog uh mentality. Um wear your purple every night, every day. You know, you know I got the jersey and the hat on right now. Um I'm seeing this game coming down 24-24. Cousins does get that ball with 2 minutes left. But he does enough to get Dan Bailey into range, baby. And Bailey sends us to San Fran. Let's go!
1: <laughs> okay, but okay, we have to reiterate what I said in uh, before we started here. Um, how that field goal is going to happen, okay? <laughs> so here's how this field goal is going to happen, okay? He's going to kick it, but it's going to be iced right before the snap. And he's going to kick it, it's going to go through. That was gonna happen because it's pure Vikings. Is he's gonna the the second attempt, he's gonna miss it. But there's gonna be a penalty, a defensive penalty, i time down. And then a the third kick, he's gonna make it just by an inch. Because that would be the perfect <laughs> way for Vikings fan to deal with that kick. Basically three oh, heart attacks.
0: I I'm gonna be a nervous wreck anyways, it's just I don't know. I'm feeling a close game though, man. I love it.
1: It'll be interesting for sure. It'll be interesting for sure. Um, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Yeah, looking forward to it. It's it's playoff football. I mean, you have a chance while you're in the dance. So we're here. We got a shot. You know, if you don't think we're gonna, if you don't think we're gonna win, you know what? You're, You're probably right. But there's always a chance.
0: Yeah, but if you if you don't think this team's gonna be motivated, they're out of that video. Zimmer already. Did you see Zim mention that today? Yeah, I did. Yeah, so the the players know they're not in that video. The players know they're the biggest underdog. Um, That team is going to be motivated. It's, I don't know, it's, I'm excited for Sunday, man.
1: Should be a good one one regardless of the outcome. I'm excited for it. It's, playoff is back, baby. Let's go. But that's going to do it for us, I think, Mike. Unless you got anything else to add.
0: No, um, I'm going to start, uh... I guess prepping for the 49ers podcast next week, baby.
1: Yeah, start getting some of that, that deep research going because we're going to need it, man. Jimmy
0: G, McKinnon, <laughs> oh. even though he's not playing. Yeah, we're
1: but... we're, we're going to need it, man. That's a tough team to beat, so uh, we're going to need every every bit of juice we can. Um, maybe we should rest some players this week.
0: Nah, Well, okay. Maybe <laughs> in the second half when we're up big.
1: Sounds good, yeah. But anyway, that's going to do for this in the Scolders podcast. I'm at Namok 7 on the Twitter.
0: Muskie underscore Mike.
1: You know the deal. We're part of the Climbing in the Pocket Network. You know, Go check us out on Daily Norseman. All that good stuff. Um, that's it for us. Skull Vikes. Let's go win this one.
0: Skull, baby.